Hello, dear listener, and thank you for joining us here at the Northern Security Chronicles. I am VR Doc, your host. In this series, we will discuss, dissect, and develop all things related to securing one of the last frontiers of our homeland, the North. In this first episode of the China Trilogy, we will look at where we are now with respect to national security and defense and how we got here. Where we are is well behind the curve. In fact, the curve has left us well behind because China looked at the Arctic as a system and used essentially an integrated system science consisting of social, ecological, and technological systems. We, however, adopted an approach that predates World War I, an approach that was built in the late 1800s, and the consequences of that approach mean that the Department of Homeland Security has, to date, failed to develop a strategy for Arctic security leaving us instead with the U.S. Coast Guard's Arctic Strategic Outlook. Why does this matter? Well, the Arctic Strategic Outlook produced by the Coast Guard is a document that is freely available online and full of pretty pictures, mostly of boats and helicopters. Its sum is essentially a, please build us more ships, we need more ships. However, the mission is not analyzed, the mission needs are not justified, and the integration of the strategic outlook with the system of national security and defense is entirely missing. The Coast Guard's strategic outlook for the Arctic puts the nation at grave risk because of its tunnel vision and the fact that it is not built on a framework of any kind science or otherwise. The main study that the Coast Guard has relied on to justify icebreakers is something called the High Latitude Study that was conducted over a decade ago. In fact, the Coast Guard is so focused on getting its new ships, costing the American taxpayer billions of dollars, that it has diverted resources, efforts, and attention away from other vital Arctic needs. It has failed to integrate other efforts, such as shore-based capabilities. The Department of Homeland Security, which is a collection of several components, each with missions that serve the Arctic system, has failed to step up to the plate. The primary justification the Coast Guard uses rather than looking at mission needs, is that other countries have more boats. Therefore, we need more boats. Looking at the slice of the Arctic that the U.S. possesses, it is a fraction of the Arctic in comparison to other countries, with Canada and Russia possessing the lion's share of the shoreline and the maritime domain. 
China has leveraged this tunnel vision and lack of expertise to utilize the gray spaces, those gaps in seams consisting of operational gaps, organizational gaps, and informational gaps. These gray space seams, the operational, the organizational, and the informational, have essentially been ignored by both the Departments of Homeland Security and of Defense, leaving the United States and Canada essentially wide open to attacks by adversaries who work in the seams of a new threat landscape specific to great power competition. Our so-called intelligence community, because of the way things have always been done, have failed to catch these, and as a result, we are essentially unprotected. Since we have relied primarily on technology and have failed to incorporate the vast human capital that we possess, we lack the ability to monitor the Arctic domain, not just in the maritime, but as a system. Don't get me wrong. NORAD, NORTHCOM, all those defense entities that were stood up during the Cold War still watch the skies and the horizon for missiles, ships, and hordes coming over the horizon. However, the new threat landscape is asymmetric, irregular, and it will hit us where we are least watching. We refer to this, especially in the Arctic, as gray space warfare, essentially these adversarial activities in these interstitial gray areas, these seams and gaps where our laws and policies and our collective apparatus to secure and defend is lacking. It means that our adversaries have gained a deep knowledge of our patterns of life, making a large-scale, expensive, and technologically heavy approach unnecessary. These gray spaces are exploited in different ways, and we are sitting ducks. So how did we get here? Well, we have archaic authorities, we have an intelligence community that is poorly trained and sometimes even unqualified to conduct the tasks assigned to them. As a result, these seams and gaps, these interstitial gray areas, have grown faster than we are able to secure them. We have characterized three major gaps and seams. The first one is the operational, which is the tangible physical spaces in which our adversaries and threat actors, whether domestic or foreign, can operate. Our current monitoring and observation systems simply do not possess enough diversity, nor do they have the resolution needed to look at the scales in which these activities are occurring. We all think, well, we can see everything from space. Well, yes, 
and no. And outside of the big things that are obvious, satellite imagery gives us no context. In fact, we completely lack a comprehensive and cohesive counterintelligence plan that spans the system, particularly across federal, state, local, and territorial partners. The next gap exists in our very apparatus, the organizations that are supposed to protect us themselves. In theory, the intelligence community should be an adaptive, diverse, and nimble, composite, capable of working as the senses of the nation's security and defense interests. In practice, however, we know from reading the news every day that this is not the case. Scientists have characterized a specific type of organizational seam here, known as gamma actors. These are individuals who resist change, who fear it, or who place their own egos and biases at the forefront, rather than the science, the logic, and the frameworks that are designed to keep us safe. The gamma actors disproportionately and negatively affect the pace of innovation, and when they occupy supervisory or leadership positions, they impede the progress of the mission itself and create vulnerabilities through either inaction or inappropriate actions based on perceptions, not data, that, in aggregate, are extremely damaging to the nation's security and defense strategies. Finally, the information seam has arisen because of the low data diversity, particularly at local scales. In other words, while we have rushed to invest billions and trillions of hard-earned American taxpayer dollars in technologies and systems that don't work, we have left wide open a seam where we lack data and information to protect. Another seam here is that we tend to buy the same systems over and over, despite proof that they simply do not work. The proposal of anything else, or doing things differently, is often met with disdain, fear, or aggression, particularly by those gamma actors in the organizational scene. The composite result means that agencies charged with protecting the nation, such as the Department of Homeland Security, have failed to step up to the plate in the Arctic and have failed to provide a science-based, comprehensive, strategic framework for both collecting the information that can be used to put into action, as well as deciding where investments should be made in a way that provide the most return on our taxpayer dollars. So, 
To sum it up in fewer words, where are we now? We are faced with a rapidly changing Arctic and no clear framework on which to work towards securing or defending it in a way that addresses it as a system. China, on the other hand, has taken the long game approach and has had possibly a advantage of decades in terms of acquiring deep knowledge of our patterns of life and access to information about critical infrastructures and the policies and laws in which they can move between. The Department of Homeland Security has failed to produce a strategy for Arctic security, leaving us instead with the Coast Guard's strategic outlook. This outlook is essentially based on a flawed study conducted over a decade ago, which argues that the Coast Guard needs to build more ships. However, the mission of the Department of Homeland Security as a composite in partnership with other agencies and with Canadian entities is entirely lacking. We do not have a plan for securing the Arctic in the new great power competition threat landscape. So let's go back to one of these seams and where our national security apparatus has failed. The data and information seam has emerged because we use a intelligence cycle that was built in the late 1800s and has never been adapted for the emerging and new threat landscape. We have never looked for those signals, those activities that are hidden in the noise of everyday life, which becomes entirely possible and, in fact, the desired path to take by an adversary when you have a deep knowledge of pattern of life, as China now does. In other words, the intelligence community believes that reporting is a type of evidence our new threat landscape forces us to look at signals hidden in noise, and they are often undetectable by our current reporting methodologies. This is why a group of scientists created the Strategic Intelligence Framework. It is specifically designed to pull out and reveal those things which the intelligence community cannot currently see. This strategic intelligence framework accommodates the complexity of this new threat landscape by integrating human knowledge with the technologies such as artificial intelligence and machine learning. This puts us on more equal footing with our adversaries by essentially getting into their minds and thinking the way they do. Because right now we think the way we do and we think the way we do things is the best way to do them. It is not.
In this first episode, we reviewed the three types of gaps and seams, the operational, the organizational, and the information and data seams that our national security entities and agencies have allowed to grow wider than we are able to address or close. This puts the nation at great risk in the Arctic. And this is further complicated by documents such as the U.S. Coast Guard's Arctic Strategic Outlook, which fails to address the system entirely, relying instead on building more equipment to address the problem. This is one case, America, where throwing money at the problem blindly will not solve it. And what is at stake is our ability to remain free, safe, and resilient. If we continue down the path that the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. Coast Guard are leading the nation, we will be doing things the way we have always done them in a world that has changed. And in an Arctic, that is one we have not faced before. So the old playbooks will no longer work. And this is a game we do not want to lose. episode of the China Trilogy, we will dig much deeper into not only how we got to where we are, but how we can possibly get to where we want to go. We will return again to a broader definition of security and defense, one that is more responsive to the new threat landscape, particularly in the context of great power competition. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us here at the Northern Security Chronicles. As our series continues, we will discuss, dissect, and develop all things related to securing one of the last frontiers of our homeland, the North. I am VR Doc, your host, I. podcast of the Northern Security Chronicles is copyrighted 2020 by Quadrant Analytics LLC and distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International CC by NC ND 4.0 License. Listeners may share, copy, and redistribute the material in any medium or format. However, derivative materials are prohibited without prior approval of Quadrant Analytics LLC. See www.quadrantanalyticsllc.com for contact details.
Music and effects are used under license from audioblocks.com. A brief excerpt of Semper Paratus is used under the Fair Use, Parody, or Satire doctrine. Thank you for listening.